You're listening to the podcast from Emmanuel Community Church. For more information, go to emmanuelcc.co.uk. Hello. Uh, we're reading uh, Philippians 1, 12 through 26. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole place palace, guard, and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what will happen to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but I will have sufficient courage, so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For if I am going, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two, a desire to depart, to be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account for me. Thanks, Megan. Well, good morning again. My name's Sam. I'm a pastor in training here at the church. It's good to be together. Shall we pray? And then we'll, uh, we'll dive into that passage. Oh, gracious Father, we thank you that we can meet here today and read from this letter. Lord, thanks for your spirit which inspired Paul to write it and your spirit which lives in us and brings it alive in our hearts. And Lord, would you speak to us today? Will we have ears to hear you and respond in faith? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's great to be here and to uh, have a look at this uh, next bit of chapter one, Philippians together. I want to uh, see if you hear some of yourself in these situations I'm about to read, okay? You're in the car, it's hot. The estimated arrival time keeps on going up on the sat-nav. The kids are kicking off in the back and you shout something at them that you later regret. And you say, well, it's because it was a bad journey. It's because I was hot, that's why I did it. Perhaps this. You get to the end of the week, it's been a hard week at work, you're tired, you're home alone. So you decide to turn on the TV and watch something unhelpful. Or you just greed out on as many snacks and drinks 
as you can shovel down yourself. You say, well, I deserve it. I'm tired. That's why I've done it. Or perhaps this, the government say you've got to stay at home. School is shut. You can't see the grandkids. So we panic. We moan towards God or we turn from him. Because we say, well, it's because what is happening. It's what we say, isn't it, right? Our circumstances, what's going on around us, well, they're the excuses, they're the reasons why we respond and behave in whatever way. It's because of what's going on to me, that's why I've responded. However, when we come to the Bible, we realise this really isn't the case. Our circumstances aren't excuses for behaviour, but they actually reveal, they show what's really like inside. We are like donuts. Okay, I've got a donut here. Right, bought this donut. You might not know what's inside the donut right now, right? But how do we find out? Well, we like hit it and we poke it and we squeeze it and we prod it. And hooray, what's inside is coming out. It's jam. I've now got really sticky hands. I didn't really pick this through, but there we go. Right? We are like donuts. Let me just lick those fingers. Mm, it's very nice. Co-op, 5 for 90p. I recommend them. Right? We are like donuts. It's when we're squashed. It's when stuff happens to us. It's when circumstances of life happen. That's when we see what's in the middle. <laughs> the jam, our, our hearts. What's important to us. Deuteronomy 8 verse 2 speaks about Israel in the wilderness and it says it like this. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. Did you you hear that? That the circumstances, the prodding, the stuff happening to them, this wilderness for 40 years, it reveals what's inside, like a donut. It reveals their hearts. You see, if you're like me, we think circumstances are excuses for behavior. I was tired. The kids were kicking off. They cut me up in the traffic. She started it. But they're the circumstances of every day, right? And they show us, they test us, and they help us see what's truly is inside in our hearts. And in today's passage, we get an intimate and deep look into the heart of the Apostle Paul. And he shares it with the church in Philippi. We see amidst the circumstances of his life, the struggles he's gone through and is going through, or what shines out? His heart, and it is beautiful. What truly matters to him, we'll see two things. Firstly, the, the advance of the gospel. And second, and I think even more fundamentally, what matters to him? The exaltation, big word, the exaltation of Christ. As these hard circumstances squash him like a donut, what comes out is his glorious and beautiful heart. And my prayer this morning for us is that as we consider this, God might shape our hearts today. Through repentance, I've had to do quite a bit of that this week. But then as we turn to him in faith and glimpse Jesus again, we might respond fruitfully to life situations, to seek the advance of the gospel and the exhortation of Christ. So we're going to have a look in two chunks. The first one, uh, verse 12 to 18, titled this, The Advance of the Gospel Amid Suffering 
and division. The advance of the gospel amidst suffering and division. So have a look with me at verse 12. Paul is looking back. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, what's happened in the past, has served to advance the gospel. Advance amidst suffering. It's striking that the what has happened section, well, you could write quite a lot of that for what Paul's gone through. You could write about him being imprisoned for preaching about Jesus, him being mistrialed, he's the subject of shame and insults, he's been flogged and beaten, he's been hungry and thirsted, he's been stoned, he was shipwrecked at sea, he nearly drowned, and now he's stuck in a prison in Rome for a couple of years, chained. Yet, do you get this? Yet, Paul writes, all of that has served to advance the gospel. Paul doesn't bring our eyes to his chafed wrists or or the words of insult he's suffered or his near-death experiences. What matters? What's inside? What's in his heart? What's most important? It served to advance the gospel. How? Well, look, verse 13. Everyone in the palace guards has heard about it. It's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. Well, Paul's there, he's stuck there, so he's talking. (laughs) He's talking about why he's in prison. You imagine when people come and visit him, they're watching these conversations that's going on. Perhaps even the letters he's writing, like this one to Philippi, they might have read it. He's learning and hearing all about the gospel. He's here in these hard circumstances. He's changed. He's insulted. He's maligned. Yet, these circumstances are revealing his heart. What matters most? The advance of the gospel. He's told people, verse 13. And verse 14, there's this indirect effect, right? So because of his chains, most of the brothers and sisters, that, that was probably the believers in Rome, have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Others came to see him and visit him. They see his chains, but they see his faith remaining strong. This is the worst they can do to him. So they have confidence. Jesus is Lord. Even though the Roman powers have shackled Paul, This gospel is not shackled and bound. They gain confidence, so they proclaim the gospel without fear. Circumstances reveal our hearts. And for Paul, even amidst his suffering, what shines out, what's coming out, what what matters to him, is not what's happening to him, it's that Jesus is proclaimed. Advance amidst suffering. And from verse 15, there's advance amidst division. These are striking words. There are some around, we can see, verse 16. They're sharing Jesus out of love and goodwill. They know his chains and there's partnership and it's great. But verse 15, it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. Verse 17, they preach Christ out of selfish ambition, supposing they might be able to stir up trouble for him 
while he's in chains. Paul doesn't really go into any uh, specifics, so I don't think we're trying to imagine quite what they're saying. But what does he say? That no doubt this would have hurt him and have been harmful to hear this and, and affected him. But what really matters, verse 18? He says, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Isn't that balmy? (laughs) Isn't that incredible? Circumstances reveal the heart. And, And all these people are insulting him and against him and causing harm for him. But he's not looking at himself. What matters? Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. It's amazing. What's Paul's heart? His heart is for the advance of the gospel amidst suffering and division. Wow. What a window we get (laughs) into what goes on inside him. What a vision of a Jesus-shaped man. Paul has such a, a big view of Jesus and the glory of the gospel and the importance that people might hear it so they might be saved and know Jesus and be saved from their sins and go to heaven and not hell, his eyes are there. That's what matters. Not, not me here. Not my reputation and my struggles. And I don't think he's just being stoic <laughs> or, or that he's not affected by it. Can you imagine this pain is real? Both to him physically and to his reputation. But his heart is captured by something bigger, something more important, the advance of the gospel. So Paul writes this to to encourage the church. So hear this now this morning, church. Then he says, look up. What is it through the circumstance of life that, that, that really matters? Is it my comfort? Is it people agreeing with me? Is it people liking me? Is it my reputation? Or is it the spread of the gospel? Paul says, look up, keep going. Seek to advance the gospel. And let me just apply this in one way that that I've been struck by. Because I've been struck about how we pray. Because often don't we pray, but like me, Lord, would you take away our pain? Would you heal Would you take away my discomforts? Would you basically make my life easier? Would there be less suffering and hard things? And and hear me out. It is right and good (laughs) that we would pray for people for their healing, if they're ill, that the Bible instructs us to. But this passage has challenged me. What is of first or of most importance when we pray? Is it just about me and my situation? Or is it about the Lord and the advance of his kingdom and the gospel? Because prayer matters, doesn't it? It both shows what's on our hearts, because what we're talking about the Lord to, but it also has the opportunity to change us. Because we speak and interact with the Lord, he changes what really matters to us. So let me give you a few examples. Can we be a church that prays, yes, for one another through illness, for healing, But first, 
that amidst the pain and trials, we might first seek to honour the Lord and trust him. And yes, second for healing, but first that our hearts might respond to him in faith. Can we be a church, and perhaps if you're going away this week, who pray yes for a safe journey in the car, but more importantly, that we might respond in faith and love to those in our car and to those in other cars around us. Can we be a church who pray for the church in Myanmar at the moment? Yes, that the troubles might end. But the first, the gospel might advance amidst the trials they are going through. Can we be a church who pray for the lifting of the pandemic and our safety? But first, for Christ to be exalted and the gospel to advance. And I'm saying this to myself as much as to any of you. What's Paul's heartbeat that we're struck by here? What matters most? What's coming out of him? The advance of the gospel amidst suffering and division. Well, second then, let's look from verse 19 onwards. I'm heading this. The exhortation, we'll we'll think about what that means in a second. The exhortation of Christ amidst the threat of death. So at verse 19, uh, again, he's looking back. He know, he, uh, for I know through your prayers, so the church has been praying for him, and the God's provision of the Spirit, that what's happened to him, so stuff that's happened to him, will turn out for his deliverance, his salvation. It would be easy to see here that Paul just wants to pray that he gets out of prison. Is that deliverance? Well, it's not what he's talking about here. I think the word salvation is probably better. He's looking for this future salvation. So we often talk about salvation past tense, right? We have been saved. Or maybe sometimes we might talk it in the present tense. We're working out our salvation, as we'll think about Philippians 3. But it also speaks about the future. What will happen when, like in verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 6, that he who began a good work will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. He, he's talking about future salvation, heaven. That what has happened to him will turn out for my deliverance. That I will be saved in the end. It's not just the advance of the gospel that keeps him going, but this certain hope he has of salvation to come. It keeps him going. Do you see that, verse 20? That he will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage. That's courage uh, to speak. So that, and this end of verse 20, what a verse. I know verse 21 gets the headlines, but I think verse 20 is even better. So that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. He's looking forward. He doesn't really know what's going to be happening. It's like he's on death row being trialed, whether he's going to be killed or not. But what matters? What's his heart? That Christ will be exalted or he'll be honoured, or literally he'll be made big, he'll be mega he'll be enlarged, he'll be lifted high in his life, in his body. His circumstances are real, right? He might die here for his faith. But what's in his heart? What's coming out of him? What matters? That Christ will be made large, that he'll be honoured, that he might be exalted. 
Isn't that a wow moment? Can I see some wow eyes behind those masks? I think this is really his heartbeat behind the passage so far. He wants the gospel to be advanced. Why? So that Christ may be lifted high. (laughs) That more people might come to praise and worship him and sing songs of glory to him. He's lifted high. And the verse goes forward to think about his certainty about the future. So we see then this famous section from verse 21. For me to live, uh, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He doesn't know what's going to happen. He doesn't know what the verdict of the trial is going to be. And he's thinking about what does he want? Well, to live, and I'm going to go on living. Well, well, it's Christ. It's knowing him now. It's verse 22, fruitful labor. It's serving the church. But what should he choose, he says? Because to die is gain. Why? What? Well, verse 23, it is to depart and be with Christ face to face, which is better by far. And he says, what should I choose? (laughs) What do I want? What am I praying for the verdict to be? Die? And I get to be with Jesus. I get to see him face to face. The sufferings will be over. It's better. But, verse 24, it's necessary that I remain. For you. So that I might help you. For your progress and joy in the faith. Circumstances are real. Yet how does this heart respond? It's interesting that this idea of this progress for the believer is exactly the same word as verse 12, advance of the gospel. So what does he want? The gospel to advance out there, but also in here, that you might progress, advance in your joy and faith in Jesus. Paul's heart is for the exhortation of Christ amidst the threat of death. And if you're like me, when you read this, you feel utterly convicted. <laughs> you say, this ain't me. Paul is just bonkers on the super Jesus scales. How's he like this? <laughs> Paul, have you been in the car when the kids are kicking off? Do you know what it's like? Well, he knows what it's like to suffer, right? When pressures come on, when there's division, when there's suffering, when there's pain, when it feels like maybe someone owes me something, how do we respond? If you're like me, I become central. My heart is for the advance of me and the exaltation of me. Not the advance of the gospel and the exaltation of Christ. Friends, if you're like me, which I know you are, we need to come back to God in repentance today. To turn back to him. To confess that amidst the circumstances of our lives, our hearts have been revealed. The jam has come out. And they're more sinful than we ever dared thought was the case. They're more sinful than we realised when we first became a Christian. They've been revealed more deeply. We look to the Lord in that, but we don't stop there. We come to God with good news. Why? 
Because Jesus is bigger. His grace is deeper. And this is how we change. This is how Paul changed. This is how the believers through the centuries have changed. This is how we change. By seeing Jesus as glorious. By interacting with him. By enacting our faith in prayer and praise. Because as we'll see next week, if you look over to chapter 2, we meet Jesus. Wonderfully uh, described. Jesus is one who, who came and humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. He came low, therefore God exalted, exalted, we've thought about that, right? Exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Isn't Jesus wonderful? That even though perhaps today you've revealed something more of who you are, he might actually still die for you (laughs) and show his love for you by coming and humbling himself to the cross. Let that change you. That we might be more like Paul, but ultimately more like Jesus. Isn't he glorious? Isn't he exalted? Isn't he worthy of praise from us, but from people out there too? Isn't he good, even amidst the circumstances of life, which can be hard? When we glimpse him and we see him in his glory and exaltation and love, what does that do? Something absolutely magic. We think less about ourselves. We look less in the mirror. We care less about the advancement and the exaltation of self. And our eyes go on something better. Something that's more worthy to be advanced, to be spoken about, to be lived for. The advance of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the exaltation of his glorious name. So church, I don't know all the circumstances you're going to find yourself in this week. What you might face when you go home this afternoon. What might happen to you at work or at home or or wherever you are this week. But let's pray that in it and through it all, how might we respond? Let's pray that you will look to Jesus and seek his advancement, his bigness, his exhortation above self. In the time we have now, as we live, before we may die, my prayer is that you might see that Jesus matters more. He is the one who is worthy of advancing. He is the one whose name is to be exalted. The gospel advancing outwards and for the progress and joy, the advancement in the believer. So wherever God may place you, whatever circumstances may come your way this week, use them as an opportunity to lift up, to honour, to advance, to exalt the name of Jesus Christ. His is the name that is above every other name. So we come. We come needy and we come to ask the Lord for help today. Should we take a moment to pray?
why don't you just take a moment to reflect on your heart and times you've responded in ways you wished you didn't to circumstances of life. Perhaps in this morning or in the last week, let's just take a moment and bring that to the Lord in repentance. Father, we praise you. You are God rich in mercy and grace. We praise you that Jesus came and humbled himself to death on a cross. And praise you that means our sins are taken away. We are forgiven and cleansed. Praise you that we we stand here in that today. And Lord, help us. Help us to have a bigger vision of Jesus. That we might be people that live our lives for the advancement of your name and the exaltation of the name of Jesus. And Lord, by your Spirit, change us, we pray, that we might be more your people who live for you in this way. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we stand? You have been listening to the podcast from Emmanuel Community Church. To find out more about us, go to emmanuelcc.co.uk.